Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap of praise in the house. This is our God, King Jesus. He endured the cross. He took the stripes for our healing. He shed his blood for the remission of our sins. He's buried, he rose, and now he's ascended, making intercession for you and I, forever seated at the right hand of the Father. And can I tell you, he's not just the Lamb of God, now he's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And now, come on, he's living on the inside. He's roaring like a lion. Let heaven and earth proclaim. There's breath in our lungs that he's worthy of our praise. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray. We got a couple of announcements to make, and uh, uh, we're going to dive into a, a lengthier teaching tonight than probably what you're used to. So I hope you came ready to really dive in and, and, and really learn some tonight. This is this is uh, midweek, so it's more of a discipleship format. But um, and then we've got a special announcement at the end of service tonight, and I, I strategically placed it at the end of service for a purpose. So a special announcement at the end of service tonight. Uh, in, in regards to, to midweek, we're going to have a new midweek format beginning in February, so we're going to uh, let y'all know about what, what's to come. How many of y'all are expecting more in 24? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you, God, for who you are. I praise you, God, for this opportunity tonight, God, that we get to just worship you and dive into your word. I just ask, God, that you would, uh, God, just hide, hide us behind your cross tonight, God. Let nothing that we say tonight, God, let it just be from us, but God, let it be from you, God. Uh, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, God, let us let us grow together. God, let us draw closer to you as we draw closer to each other. We give you all the praise for everything that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise tonight. Awesome. You can be seated. We're going to dive in tonight. Um, before we do, I just want to let everybody know I'm excited. This Sunday begins 2024 vision casting. How many of y'all are excited? I'm excited. I've had it in my heart now for uh, literally months, months. I have, uh, we, we cast vision um, at our staff retreat in, at the end of October. And so ever since the end of October, November, December, I've just had this vision just, just stirring in my spirit. So I'm ready to I'm ready to release it, Amen. Um, I'm ready to release it. I don't know if you you are ready to receive it or not. Maybe you are. Hallelujah. Hopefully, um, I'm, I've got a lot to unload. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I can't say everything that pops in my mind, but maybe y'all will forgive me on this. I'm like Smokey and the Bandit. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound. Just watch old Bandit run. Come on, somebody. We're in the south, so maybe I can get away with that. Um, but anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to share this word. Um, we're going to our two-service format. We're making room for yeah. more at 24, 9 o'clock, and 11 o'clock. I'm excited about that. If you are sitting under the sound of my voice right now and you were here Sunday and, and you don't see the need for two services, then, I, Lord, I just don't know. Yeah, we are busting at the seams. It is just one of those... Uh, 
one of those things where uh, it's not just something that is preference. It's not just preference, man. It is necessity. If we want to continue to be the church that God has called us and created us to be and continue to reach the harvest and grow and progress and move forward, uh, then, then, it's, then it's needed. I'm excited about that. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking about overcoming when you feel overwhelmed. I know we've been in this for a long time, uh, but I promise you we're going to get through it uh, this month. And uh, even if we don't get through it, we're going to be through with it. Come on, somebody. Can I? It's been, good. It's, been, it's been good. Um, tonight, we're going to cover chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be talking about dismantling discouragement tonight. Um, and, you know, discouragement was one of the wicked kids of Jezebel, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. The last time we were together, we talked about um, four of her children. Yes. The spirit of Jezebel's children. And we talked about fear last time we were together. And tonight we're going to talk about dismantling discouragement. How many of you know that inside of the heart of every person sitting in this um, sanctuary tonight, there's a dream inside your heart and there's plans and goals that you have. You know, dreams are God-given destinies. So we've all got those things in our life that we want to do. And, um, but along the way, when we are living for God, when we are serving God, that dream may be an occupation. That dream may be a business or an invention. That that dream may be to raise your children in the house of the Lord. How many of you know that's an excellent dream yes, to have? Amen. It's an excellent dream to see come yeah. to pass. Absolutely. But in, inside of your hearts and every one of your hearts are dreams. They're different dreams, but they're God dreams. They're God-given destinies. But along the way, Without fail, something will happen in the heart of every believer, and it's this. Hell's nightmares always nip at the heels of heaven's dreams. That's right. We, we serve a real God, and we are also, we're also pressed by a real enemy. And unless we can endure the discouragement that will come our way, we may not experience the dreams that God has for us. How many of you know that a lot of people give up in the faith, give up on their dream, give up on a, on a prayer that they've been praying right before, right before their greatest opportunities or breakthroughs? Yeah. And it's often because the enemy fights the hardest when he knows the breakthrough is just around the corner. That's right. When he knows your victory is just around the corner, he will fight in a last-ditch effort to make you give up. And that is the spirit of discouragement. I've been there before. How many of you have been there before where you thought, I am not going to make it? I don't want to do this anymore, Lord. I thought this was from you, but, but I'm tired and I can't do this anymore. If, if you have felt that way, you were facing the spirit of discouragement. Right. And, you know, but what we don't realize is oftentimes, and the book worded it this way, I love it, that oftentimes in our life, our worst nightmares are the pathways to our destiny because they purify us, they purify our motives, they show us our character, yeah. what we do not just in front of people but behind closed doors. And we think that those seasons are going to kill us, but actually trouble is often the pathway to triumph. 
How many of you know you can't have a miracle without a crisis? Come on. You can't have a victory without a battle. Yeah. And what will happen is you'll never get to the victory if you don't press through the discouragement. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about dismantling discouragement. Yeah, and I think if we ask the question, how many of y'all have ever been discouraged before, if we didn't have 100% of people raise their hands in here, uh, you know, yeah. we've all been discouraged before. I don't care how holy you are. Come on, somebody. You can, you can act holy, but there has been times where I have been discouraged in my life, even, come on, even after salvation, even after the baptism in the Holy Spirit, even after all of these things, uh, there's times when discouragement sets in. You know, Calvary was the pathway to the dream of the church. Calvary was the pathway. God said, I have a dream. I want a church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Hell said, I don't think so. We'll stop the dream. We'll nail the, we'll nail, uh, the son of God to the cross. But when Jesus stepped out of the tomb, guess what? The nightmare became the pathway to the dream. The nightmare became the pathway. Calvary became the pathway to the dream of the church being birthed and established and built. And, you know, God's got dreams and God's got plans for you and I. And I want to read Philippians 1 and 6. It says, being confident of this very, very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, the day of Jesus Christ, it sort of echoes this, this message of the rapture, the end times. And that's really what this book has focused on. The book has focused on overwhel- or overcome, overcoming when you feel overwhelmed, uh, five steps to overcoming, you know, in the end times. And it really focuses, uh, you know, on the end times and how, man, things are just going to start picking up in the last days and there's going to be more pressure on believers and there's going to, the, the world is going to be thrown into more and more chaos. And as believers, we have to understand that we can't be distracted when all of these external factors are taking place around us, we have to be dialed into the word of God. So if you're battling discouragement and you're hearing voices telling you to give up, I want to remind you that whatever dream God has birthed in you, he has promised that he will complete it. But here's the key. You can't give up. I've always said this. You win as long as you don't give up. The only way you lose is if you throw in the towel because God is for you. He's not against you. And greater is he that's within you than he that is in this world. Absolutely. So the first way we dismantle discouragement is we pick up our dropped dream. Look at your neighbor and say, pick up. Pick up. Your dropped dream. Your dropped dreams. (laughs) Yes, that's a mouthful. But pick those dreams back up in Jesus' name. He's not finished with you. In Genesis 21, we find Abraham... And it's the story where we all know that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a promised son. And what was his name? Isaac. We got a Bible reader in the house. Come on now. Good job. Okay, but this is what happened. Sarah got impatient because God wasn't doing things on her timeline. And she said, Abraham, I want you to take my servant Hagar and I want you to have a son with her. And his name was Ishmael. But we know that after Ishmael was born, there was problems in the house. Because the boys started arguing and things started happening and jealousies took place. And Sarah said, you've got to send them away. And so what happens in the Bible in Genesis 21, Abraham collects food and water and he gives it to Hagar and Ishmael and he sends them away. And Hagar and Ishmael were in the wilderness. And I want to tell you something. Ishmael may not have been the promised son, but he was Hagar's dream. 
That was her baby. That was her think dream. Think about it. And I want you to think about that because we think often preach that, you know, uh, that he wasn't the promised son and he wasn't, but he was Hagar's son. And he was, he was a, a human and God loved him, even Amen. though he was not the promised son. And as Hagar and Ishmael were wandering in the wilderness, um, she became hungry. They ran out of food. They ran out of water. And the Bible says that she actually laid down, she laid the boy down under a tree because she said, God, I can't watch him die. This is my dream. This is my promise. And I can't watch him die. And so she laid her dream down in fear of the suffering she was facing. And sometimes you and I do that. When we're in seasons of suffering, we can lay down our dream. That's why we're talking about picking up our dropped dreams. Wandering in the wilderness without food, water, or resources, in a moment of discouragement, Hagar left her son, her dream, and she walked away because she was too heartbroken to witness the suffering. Yeah, but something amazing really happens in verse 17 in that same chapter. God heard the voice of the lad. And I would, I've, I've read that multiple times. I've read through that chapter multiple times. You know, Hagar was crying. Yeah. You know, and, and so many times, you know, I, I, I've gotten this from God has spoken to me through that scripture before that, you know, sometimes our emotions get the yeah. best of us. Yeah. And, and the Bible says that he heard the voice of the lad. Right, he heard the voice of the lad, but Hagar's eyes was opened. She was blinded by the tears. And so many times we are blinded by our own emotions in life and discouraged, you know. But God heard the voice of the lad. If you have a God-given dream, that dream can cry out to God. Like Ishmael's voice, even if you've given up on it, I believe that God, what God has birthed in you, he's going to complete it. Amen. Don't give up on it, even if you might have dropped it at one time, right. even if you are discouraged tonight. If you're discouraged tonight and, you've, and, and, and you're tired of waiting, which we're going to get to in just a minute, but, but for, I'm just wanting to encourage somebody tonight, pick that dream back up. You know, God delights in restoring our dreams to us. How many of y'all believe God is a God of restoration? I believe he is. And God is not just a restorer of people. God is a restorer of all things. God is a restorer of, of dreams, ambitions, and, and discouragement may have overwhelmed you to the point of giving up and quitting what you once believed God promised you. But I'm going to tell you something. But God is not through with you yet. It's time to pick that dream back up. It's Absolutely. time to believe in God. Yes, and I think it's important to remember that we all get discouraged. So if you're, you're in here tonight and you're like, that's me. I've dropped my dream. I went through a season of discouragement, and now I'm a little ashamed. This, is, this lesson is not to shame you because we've all faced discouragement. How many of you in here have went through a season of discouragement before? Raise your hand. Yes, amen. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah. So this is not a shame service. This is to say... It's you're not your life's not over. God's not finished with you yet. He's a restorer of the dream, and we all get discouraged. No one is exempt. Remember, we talked about Elijah. Remember, we talked about him the last time we were together, and and how he even asked God after Queen Jezebel threatened to kill him, yeah. Lord, take my life. 
I don't want to do this anymore. I'm discouraged. And that is what the spirit of discouragement, if we let that spirit settle with us long enough, it can get us in that place where we're like, I don't even want to be here anymore. The spirit of discouragement will cause us to throw away our God-given potential, our God-given dreams, God's purpose for our life. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you can fight back against the spirit of discouragement in Jesus' name. If you are a child of God, you have the authority to press back on the devil. You have authority to take authority in your situation uh, because you may feel discouraged even enough to give up. But I want you to know that when you've done all the right things, the Bible says when we've done all to do, then stand, right? And see the salvation of the Lord. Wait for his salvation. Right, and that doesn't mean we're not doing anything. That means we're anticipating. That means we're praying. That means we're believing. We're exercising our faith. So tonight, listen, don't be embarrassed or ashamed if you feel discouraged. I'm gonna tell you something. You know, we went through, um, uh, Cassie and I went through the freedom curriculum that we have here at at Forward that we offer, which I encourage everybody, if if you haven't been through freedom, go through freedom this spring. It will change your life, I promise you. But we went through freedom, and you know, you can always tell, uh, you know, week one, week two of freedom, which tree that you're living from, whether it be the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil, based off of how you respond to things. If, if, if you are feeling shame, if you are feeling those type of things in your life, you, you, there's, there's an indicator right there that you're living on the, in the tree of knowledge of good and evil because shame, the Bible says there's no, now therefore there's no condemnation. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve experienced when they realized that they were naked? It says that they, they felt shame. They felt shame. God came calling to them, and the God, God came calling to Adam, where are you? He knew where they were at. But yeah. then, you know, all of this, so, so, but conviction actually draws us. Conviction is that tree of life, and it pulls us yeah. too closer to God. So don't be embarrassed or ashamed if you feel discouraged. Discouragement hits the best of us. Uh, there's another example in the Bible, John the Baptist. John had an up-close and personal relationship with Jesus. He was the one who actually proclaimed Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 29, we read about this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John had that divine revelation of who the Son of God is. Jesus, the Son of God, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John had a personal personal revelation of the Messiah, yet toward the end of John's life, he was imprisoned, he felt abandoned, and played with doubt. He sent a message to Jesus, and here's what it said, Matthew 11, two through three. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Do you see the difference? The beginning of John's ministry, the beginning took place. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, making the proclamation, and all of a sudden, you almost sense the discouragement setting in, in prison, in chains, in his lowest moment. Are you really? Are you the one? Or should I be looking for someone else? See, in other words, John wondered. Did I imagine all of these things? Did they really happen? Have I gotten myself sucked into a case of mistaken identity? Is Jesus really the one? So 
He's had, John had these questions, and I don't want you to feel ashamed for having these questions, but you know what? We can overcome these types of things. Absolutely, and it's good that we identify if we're questioning because discouragement will cause us to question things that we previously affirmed in that. our faith yeah. in God. So how many of you have ever been to the altar, God did something incredible in your life, and then you woke up on Monday, and there was this feeling or this voice that was like, what happened was not real. That didn't really happen to you. You're not really different. You're the same person you've always been. That's the spirit of discouragement. How many of you have ever faced that? Raise your hand. Amen. Look at this. Yeah. You're not alone. You're not alone. The enemy's tactics haven't changed. They've been the same since the beginning, right? And John was so discouraged um, that he, even John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, began to entertain thoughts of looking for hope in another place besides Jesus. And when you settle in the spirit of discouragement long enough, it will make you entertain thoughts of finding hope elsewhere. Yeah. It's why people turn to other things to find peace and hope. It's because that spirit has settled for a long time. When you're tempted to pull away from Jesus, think about this, because he's not working like you want him to work. You were in danger of being overwhelmed by the spirit of discouragement. I normally ask them to pick up their toes when we make a statement like oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah. No warning, right? Yeah. We often get discouraged when Jesus is not working the way we want him to work. He's not doing things on the timing we want to do. Mm. My, word, my word for the year from the Lord is listen. And I've been doing a devotion on listening to God. And it said this. God is always speaking to you. He's just not always saying the things you want to hear. And I was like, that, I didn't want that, though. I did not want that see, truth that, in that my life. See, that started to convict me a little bit. And you I was like, absolutely. <laughs> How many of you have ever said, I just wish God would speak to me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm praying, but I feel like God's not listening. Okay, well, that's a lie. Because he's always with you. He's always right. listening. He's always hearing. Um, now, I will say this. Sometimes he's silent because he wants you to wait. Right. And that's the truth, too. Sometimes we want him to speak when we want him to speak. And he doesn't speak in our timing. Yeah. But he has the answers we need. So in order to combat discouragement, we have to learn a lesson about time. And that's God's time is bigger than our time. Amen. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if we want to overcome this child of Jezebel called discouragement, then we've got to learn to wait on God's timing and not think that his silence or his not answering in the way we want him to is him saying he doesn't love us or doesn't care about us. He's just teaching us how to wait. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yes. Are we there yet? I've got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. Daddy, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Five minutes. Five minutes. Five seconds goes, are we there yet? You know what little kids hate to do? Wait. Wait. You know what God's kids hate to do sometimes? Wait. We've got to learn to wait. How many of y'all know, you know, it's the old saying, but it's true. The best, best things come to those who wait. Absolutely. How many of y'all have heard Jensen Franklin say it? We live in a microwave generation, but we serve a crockpot God. You know, and I'm going to tell you, I want, I want the crockpot meal. Yeah. I've eaten the meals out of microwaves before. Come on, somebody. I know we're fasting right now. That's the last thing we need to be talking about is food. I had to go there in the fast. But I'm going to tell you something. The best things 
happen to those that wait because they take time. See, as long as the earth exists, the Bible tells us there's going to be seasons. First sowing, seed time, then waiting for growth, and then finally the harvest. We read about that in Genesis 8, 22, but we can't forget the time in between seed and harvest. You don't just plant and then the next day reap. You don't just plant and the next day reap. To reap the, that harvest, we must learn to wait. As Scripture says, Galatians 6, verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, meaning when the time is right, in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. See, we don't realize it, but a lot of God's promises in the Bible are contingent upon something. If, if. If, and in this case, if we don't lose heart, meaning if we don't give up, if we don't throw in the towel, as long as you don't quit, you, can, you can't get the fruit before it's ripe. Yeah. I've eaten, I've eaten, my, uh, Cassie, she loves, she loves um, green plums. Oh, yeah. I can't stand them. They're, They're bitter as all get out. So I'd rather eat one of those ripe ones. You know what a ripe plum tastes like? Sweet. It's good. I don't, I don't like to pick the fruit before it's ripe. Come on, somebody. But even God, even God sent his son only when the fullness of time has come, when the time was right. We read about this, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So even God said, I know the perfect time. I know the right time. I know the condition. But you know what? My ways are higher. My ways are better. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And if you'll just trust me, I believe that everything, uh, if you'll trust God, I believe that everything is working out for your favor. Absolutely. But how many of you know that waiting with patience is not instinctual for most people? How many of you love waiting? Okay. Not a lot of hands that time. <laughs> All the other times we were raising our hands, but we don't like to wait, right? So, and I want you to think about this question. What are you waiting for right now that causes your stomach to tighten and makes you a little anxious? Because we've all got that one thing in our life that we're waiting God to move. We're waiting God to, for God to change. We're waiting to see a breakthrough in. I want you to think about what if you maybe lost a passion for because it didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. But it's still God's passion for you. You dropped the dream, but it's still God's dream for you. What prayers have gone unanswered for so long in your life that maybe you just settled back into discouragement and stopped praying and stopped asking. You've stopped seeking and stopped knocking because you were discouraged. If that's you, I want you to know that oftentimes your blessing is in the breaking. And the book talks about this so I well. I want to share something real quick. I'm going to call an audible right here if that's okay. So I've shared this testimony before. There's something that God laid on my heart. Um, you know, there was there was a time in my life where um, I felt called to be a lead pastor. And many of y'all have heard me tell this story before, but we've got a lot of new faces in here, so I'm gonna tell it again. If you've heard it before, then you can just tune me out for the next two, two minutes. But here's the thing. Uh, in 2016, I felt the call to be a lead pastor. I interviewed at two churches in 2016. Guess what? Pastor didn't get the vote. Pastor, they, they, didn't, they didn't want a, a, a 29-year-old spring chicken for a pastor. Come on, somebody. Um, 
I was told no. Guess what? I got discouraged. I woke up one morning. Uh, Long story short, I'm condensing this story. I was doing my quiet time, and I told God, I said, God, um, I, I told him how I felt. I said, God, I'm discouraged. I'm questioning so many different things. I said, the very thing that I feel like you have called me to do, the door has been shut twice in my face, in my face. I said, so God, if I've ever heard from you, I need to hear from you right now. And as soon as I said right now, my phone dinged. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna look at it. So it was, the, it was the Bible app. It was the verse of the day. And I was like, okay, God, you know, I looked at it. And it's Isaiah, instead of your shame and dishonor, you will inherit a do- double portion of honor and everlasting prosperity, joy and prosperity will be yours and your land declares the Lord. And I was just like, in that moment, I said, God, you know what? I don't know what lies ahead, but I know this. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you no matter what. And it wasn't until almost a year later, 2017, God sent me to an interview at a church down in South Alabama that was actually catching on fire that day. And and it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, And I was like, God, do you, are you sure? You know, Um, but his ways are higher than our ways. And, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, and you know what? I had a dream, and, and God had a dream for me, but the way I wanted it to work out, I'm just going to be honest with you. Pastor thought God was opening up a door for, for, for me to get closer to home because that's what I, selfishly, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be closer to Mo and Pop so I could go out there and eat them homemade biscuits every single morning and, and, and fried taters at night. Come on, somebody. But he gave me a wife that knows how to make homemade biscuits and, and, and fries. And come on, somebody. But, yeah. So, but God knew where he wanted me. And his ways was so much better. And I was protected. I can't get into everything. But I was protected from so much that had I walked through those, those other doors, it would have been a nightmare. And so, thank God that he's brought me down here to forward. And that's just, man, Absolutely. that's just I could have let discouragement set in, and I did for a season, but God God saw it through. God saw. And it's okay to be discouraged. It's different to to be discouraged and then to settle with that spirit of discouragement, you know. But there is blessing in the breaking. I want you to think about the story where Jesus fed the 5,000. He fed the multitudes. How many of you know that story? Wave at me. Yeah. Okay. Not only do some miracles take longer than we'd like them to take, but oftentimes they come by strange means because oftentimes God doesn't do things the way we would want him to. That day when those 5,000 were fed, I'm sure that if his disciples could have chosen, it would have just been like that would have already been there. But what was there was a little lunch. But that little lunch didn't multiply until it was broken, until it was broken Mm. in the hands of Jesus and the disciples. When Once that bread and those fish were broken, then it began to feed multitudes of people. And that happens in your life. How many of you have a testimony that I was broken, but now God is using me out of that brokenness? That's a beautiful place to be because you have a testimony where you can reach other people who are broken and say, if God is using me, he can use you. So blessings often come when we press back against the spirit of discouragement and we, and we continue on for the path that God has for our lives. Yeah, the breakings of life produce the blessings of life many times. Don't ever forget that. The breakings of life produce the blessings of life. This is a spiritual law. We find this, you know, we, when you feel discouraged in your season of brokenness, God isn't trying to crush you. 
God is, God, God is for you. He's not against you. And so he's getting ready to really bless you. And it's in our greatest seasons of, of, of really, you know, uh, I guess that, that pressing, yeah. you know, we're pressed but not crushed. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, persecuted but we're not, we're not destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and so blessings come after rejection, the betrayal, the disappointment, and the loss. It may not really seem to add up at times. You know, you ever, you ever been in a situation where you're like, God, I don't really know if you know what you're doing right now, you know, and, and I've been there before. This God, this don't add up, but how many of y'all know the kingdom, the kingdom uh, thing, way of doing things, the kingdom principles really doesn't make sense to our human brains sometimes. Uh, Proverbs says, there's a way before each man that seems right, but in the end, it says it what? Leads to death. And I've always said this, the equal opposite of that should still hold true, and that is this. There's a way before man that might, may seem wrong, but in the end, it leads to life. And so blessings come out of the hardest breaking. The very thing that you may be cursing right now may be the very thing that God is going to use to multiply and bless your life. Let that sink in. The very thing that you may be cursing right now is it's a lot of times the very things that I'm praying for God to remove from my life is the very things that God uses in my life to grow me, to take me to, a ne- to the next level, to mature me and to make me a better leader, a better pastor, a better husband, a better father. It's, it's, it's those times where the breakings come that God grows us. And it's out of those times that the greatest blessings Absolutely, and I think it's easier to receive that for ourselves than it is to extend that grace to others. But there might be time in your family, in the body of Christ, in your workplace, where you see someone who's fighting against something, and you're like, why are they doing that? Why are they going through that? I can't understand that. But you may need to realize that God can use that thing in their life and that you don't want to aid in the discouragement. You want to aid in the encouragement. Amen. And that's another way that we, we, we dismantle discouragement in our own life is to encourage someone else. It's to take our mind and our eyes and um, off of our own situation and help someone else. We ta- we've talked so much about the story of Elijah and when he ran from Jezebel because Jezebel said she was going to kill him. We know he hid and he said, God, would you please let me die? But God did not say yes. This is what he said in 1 Kings 19, 15 through 16, if you're taking notes. I don't think we put this up there. I'm just referencing it. What God told Elijah to do was to get up and go anoint three other people. That's what God told Elijah to do. Think about that. In his season of discouragement. He was discouraged. He said, God, please let me die. We know there was a season where he fed him. He let him rest. And after feeding and rest, he said, Elijah, get up and go anoint three other people. You're discouraged right now, but you're still a leader. You want to give up right now, but I'm not going to let you give up. I'm going to let you rest, but I'm not going to let you get give up. Come on. You need to get up and not give up in Come Jesus' on. name. Oh, that's a word. Some of us need to get up and not give that's up right. in Jesus' name. No matter what discouragement we're <laughs> facing, we've got to realize that no matter what's been spoken over us or come against us, that the plans that God has for us, the callings over our lives, She's they weren't now. conference that's calls, right. but they did yeah, come from God. Right. And so you need to walk them out. Yeah. You need to walk them out. And in seasons of discouragement, you need to take your eyes off of yourself and go bless someone else. 
God knew that as long as Elijah focused on himself and his own discouragement, that he was not going to be encouraged. He was not going to get out of that place. The change would only happen once he was willing to share that anointing with someone else. Once he was willing to share that passion and that dream and what God had called him to do with someone else. And when he was willing to encourage someone, anoint someone, pray for someone, his breakthrough came. Some of you, your breakthrough is one is encouraging one person away. Wow. It's taking your eyes off of your own self and quit trying to fix something you can't fix. Stand in what God's called you to do and encourage others. And there, that will begin to dismantle that discouragement in your own life. You know, I'm reminded of the scripture in Proverbs that says pride goes before the fall. You know, and the very essence of pride, the very heart of pride is being focused on who? Self. Self, and so many times, you know, we don't realize that we think that poor, pitiful me, and and it's easy for us to throw to be, you know, throw this 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 self pity party, if you will, and be focused on self. But I've I have found in in you know short years living on the face of this earth, you you know, but that in those seasons of discouragement, if I would just focus more on doing what God has called me and created, be the leader, be the husband, be the pastor, be be who God has called me to do, keep my eyes focused on, on moving forward and the vision that God has given me, because the enemy would have you to focus on those, those, other, those other things right. to distract you and to discourage you. So, you know, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you shared hope with someone? When was the last time that you maybe prayed with someone in their hour of need? Because, you know, we're always like, uh, pastor, pray for me. Uh, small group leader, pray for me. And I, I'm not, not knocking that. Listen, I'll pray for you as much as you want me to pray for you. Call upon the church and ask them to pray for you. But you know what? When somebody else needs prayer, you better be the first in line saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm lifting you up. Yeah. Be encouraged. You shall live and not die. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are blessed going and blessed coming. When was the last time you blessed someone instead of expecting a blessing? When, when, when was the last time that you, you, you just wanted to share and impart that anointing that God has placed on your life? You know, God will bring you out of your own cave of discouragement when you really start being that blessing and being that encouragement to other people. You know, the book says this, hard places lead to high places. Hard places lead to high places. God may have told you that uh, you were on your way to a high place, but now you may feel stuck and in a hard place. Everybody, you ever felt just stuck? You ever felt like you were spinning your wheels? I know that there's days where I just feel like, man, I'm just spinning my wheels today. I don't feel like I'm getting anything done. I feel like I got so many different things going on. Maybe I'm the only one that feels that way, but I've been that way before. And, and maybe you're in that place right now. You're in, in between the promise and the provision. You've got the promise, but you hadn't seen the provision yet. Perhaps you think God has changed his mind or you're so tired that you're willing to forget the promise and move on. I want you to remember something. God gives us faith that outlasts his silence. God gives us faith that outlasts the quiet seasons of our life. God has no limits, limitations on faith and faith has no limitations on God. And so remember that wherever you are right now is temporary 
if you've got a promise, if God's called you to a higher place, know that if you're not where God has told you you're going yet, where you are right now is yet a season. Seasons are temporary. Don't allow the temporary to frustrate the eternal. Don't allow the temporary to frustrate the eternal promises that God has given you. The promises that God has given you are eternal promises. The frustrations that you are facing right now are temporary. They are only but for a season. Pain may endure for a night. Suffering may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. If he's called you to a higher ground, you cannot stay where you are forever. You cannot. You need to look at your neighbor and say, you can't stay there. If God has called you to higher ground, you can't stay where you're at. As long as, remember, as long as you don't give up, the only way you lose is if you throw in the towel, if you give up, if you keep saying, God, I am for you, God, I'm with you, I'm going to abide in you as you abide in me, a time is soon coming for you to arrive in your high place that he's called you to. Yes, that's so good. Uh, I want to, the book talked about this in Samuel chapter 14, if you're taking notes, a story about Jonathan, who was the son of Saul. And at the time, the Israelite army was hiding in the caves of Gibeah from the Philistines. They were in a war with the Philistines that God did not call them to. So Saul didn't seek God on this. He launched a war on his own. How many of you know when we launch wars that God doesn't call us to, we wind up discouraged? We wind up in trouble. And sometimes we find ourselves in seasons of discouragement, and it's not our fault, but sometimes we find ourselves there because we've waged wars that God didn't call us to wage. And this is where Saul and his army found themselves. Saul's Israelites were outnumbered and they were outarmed. God knew they weren't prepared, nor were they ready, and that's why he hadn't yet blessed them to go in on the battle. But they went anyway. So they find themselves in the middle. Now they're in the middle of it. They're outnumbered. They're outarmed. They're losing. And Saul and his son Jonathan were the only two that had weapons. It's pretty bad, guys. In this chapter. These two guys have <laughs> weapons. They're going up against the Philistines. Okay? And, but I want you to look at what Saul's son, Jonathan, chooses to do. Despite the discouragement that was weighing on the both of them and falling over the army, Jonathan stepped up. And in this story, Jonathan asked his armor bearer, he says, come, let us go over together to the Philistines camp on the other side. Okay, I love the faith that Jonathan has. He's like, we probably shouldn't have gotten into this, but now we're in this and we're going to have to trust that God will get us out of this. How many of you are thankful that we That's serve good. a God that yeah. gets us out of messes that we get ourselves into? Amen. I am so thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. And you God's do grace. serve a God that is that way. You do serve a God if you're struggling and you're in a situation right now and you're discouraged and you're like, I will probably have to live here forever because I caused this. You need to know that you serve a God whose grace is sufficient, but you've got to start doing it his way and not your way. And so Jonathan steps up. Thank you. Jonathan steps up. He climbs toward the enemy's camp. And as he's climbing to go toward the enemy's camp, the Bible actually says he gets stuck in between a sharp rock and another rock. 
We would say today that Jonathan was stuck between a what? A rock, rock and a hard, hard place. place. How many of you have ever been stuck between a rock and a hard place? Okay? So if you're between a rock and a hard place right now, you need to know that it's a perfect place where only God can get you on the other side. And sometimes God will allow us to get stuck in between a rock and a hard place so that we have to look up and say, you're the only one at this point that can get me out of this place. And when I get on the other side, I won't be able to take credit for it. I won't be able to accredit anyone else for it. Not my mom, not my dad, not my Sunday school teacher, not anybody else. I'm only going to be able to give the credit to God when I get out of this place. Yeah, Saul was nearby when Jonathan made the decision to go. And really unaware of his son's bravery, Saul was sitting under a pomegranate tree, eating fruit and complaining about things being too hard. I've been there. Amen or oh me. Jonathan, on the other hand, took a faith-filled initiative and said, in effect, I refuse to let any hard place stop me from reaching my high place. Yes. That's the kind of faith. Yes. That's the kind of determination we need in these last days. I refuse to let hard times Stop me from reaching my God-giving destiny. I'm not quitting. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm going to climb. You know, the spirit of retreat had settled over Saul. Just as it settled over many people today. You know, we've got all of these pressures coming, these external pressures that the church is feeling today from the world to bow down to this and to bow down to that and to this agenda and to that agenda and to, and to this. And I'm going to tell you something. We don't need to bow down to the world. We worship one king. We worship one risen savior. I give my praise and glory to, to, to one God. And I'm going to tell you something. It's time the church understands today, to, right now, in this season, in these last days, we don't need to allow the spirit of retreat to settle over us. We don't need to retreat. We don't need to run. You know, Saul sat in the, in, in the shade waiting for a better time, easier strategy, more help. And we can, we can make all of these excuses up of why, you know, we're just, I, I, I'm just going to hang out. You know, waiting doesn't necessarily mean that you know, when you're waiting on God, it doesn't mean you're not doing anything. That's right. People think that, you know, what's the old, the, the saying, you know, when uh, the house, the, the man that got the, his, his house flooded and he was on the roof and he yeah. was praying God help him and the boat come by, the helicopter come by, all these things come by yeah. and he just kept saying, you know, no, I'm just waiting on God, you know, and, and we think, you know, it's got to look a certain way, sound a certain way, feel a certain way in order for it to be, you know, how we, we, we like it like we like it. You know, we want the chairs a certain, uh, to feel a certain way. We want the sound at just the right decibel. Can't be too hot, can't be too cold, you know, all of this. But God's just saying, you know, I don't need, I don't need what you think is perfect circumstances to show up and to show out and to, and to bring a victory to my people. As a matter of fact, God, in, in his greatest works that I read in the Bible, works best in the darkest moments, in the hardest of times. That's when his light shines the brightest. You know, God knows that high places are only reached through hard places. God knows that. And if we want to live out what God's promised us, sometimes we're going to need to get up and just go get it. That's true. That's true. But when you're discouraged, it. it's hard. When you're discouraged, you don't feel like getting up and going after it all the time, right? But you have to, you have to take heart.
You know, seeking the hard places may sound counterintuitive. I don't want to seek a hard place, Lord. I don't want to live in a hard place. But like Jonathan, sometimes we have to go through the rock and the hard place to get to our high place. And when these two men um, appeared before the Philistines, the enemy soldiers said, come on up here and we're going to show you something. And Jonathan and his armor bearer went up there and showed them something. You know what I'm saying? They went up there and got the victory, okay? So, but before they went there, it said even after being in between the rock and the hard place, the Philistines said, you guys come on up here. The Bible says that they had to go through such a tight space that they had to get down on their hands and knees and crawl up to that camp. They had to get down on their hands and knees. And I thought that this was an incredible picture because sometimes that's where we will get we will have to go to our knees in prayer before we can go fight that enemy, before we can be victorious. We go through the rock in the hard place. We go through the tight place, and it brings us to our knees. But that's a good place to be. That's it's right. a good place to be, to, to be looking at the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. We are closer to higher ground than ever before when we are in a position of prayer. And even though oftentimes that feels like a low place, it leads to a high place. I want to remind you in closing tonight, one more thing. I know this is a long teaching. You guys have been so patient, but it was so tonight. good. And I said, we can't leave any of this out. And this part tonight, uh, when I read it, when we were studying today, it just brought me to tears. But I'm going to try to make it through it. I want to remind you of someone else who was between a rock and a hard place. Because after Jesus was crucified, you and I know he was crucified and pronounced dead. And Roman soldiers took his body and put it in a hewn-out rock that was borrowed. It was a borrowed tomb, a hard place. They laid his body there on a slab of rock and then rolled another rock in front to seal it. And in everyone's minds, all hope was gone. All hope was gone. The Messiah, the one who was supposed to fix everything, he's gone. He's laying in between a rock in a hard place. But when the time was right, when the time was right, three days later, when Jesus had waited long enough in that place, he stepped out alive. He stepped out alive and victorious. He stepped out to remind us today that he made it through his rock and hard place. And because he has overcome, he has made you and I more than overcomers. He has given us the ability to dismantle discouragement on every side. On every side, no matter what you're facing tonight, no matter how painful it is, no matter how scary it is, no matter how discouraging it is, you know that Jesus Christ made it through the ultimate rock and hard place. And because he did it, he's made a way for you to push through and to make it through as well. And not just barely getting by, but he's made a way for you to be more than conquerors, to overcome. The Bible says that he has overcome the world and he has made you and I more than overcomers through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what the Bible says. So I'm here to tell you tonight, if you went through 2023 and you faced a lot of discouragement, you need to be looking up for higher ground. 
You need to be looking for higher ground because Jesus has shown you that you can make it through. You can dismantle discouragement. You can do it by learning how to wait. You can do it by learning how to listen, even when it's not what you want to hear. You can do it by encouraging others, pouring into other people's lives. You do it by realizing that your low place is not always, it's not meant to harm you because the Bible says that God can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for your good. And that's good news for somebody in here tonight who's saying, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand where I'm at is my fault. But God can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for your good. He can turn your low place to a high place. He can help you dismantle discouragement. And I just want you to know that tonight, that if Jesus is your Lord, He has given you the victory to overcome, yeah. even if you feel overwhelmed. You know, right where you're at, if you, if you will, just for a moment, not even going to ask you to stand, but wherever you're at, just, just close your eyes and focus your hearts and your minds on Jesus. And we're going to pray. And You know, God is a God who hears. God is a God who, who is faithful to answer us when we call. I just want us to focus our hearts and our minds on Him right now. And if you can be honest with God and honest with yourself and just say, you know, God, there's been some seasons of discouragement. I've gone through seasons of discouragement. I've, I might be in a, a season of discouragement right now. God, this world has thrown things at me. And, and God, I face things, God, that I, I've never dreamed that I, I would have to face. God, the enemy's just seems like he's attacking me from every side, from every angle, God, and I'm just, I'm just in this season of discouragement, if that's you tonight, just right where you sit, will you just, just lift up your hand to heaven, and God knows what you're going through, God sees your need, God sees that hand tonight, and I want to pray, I want to pray tonight, I want to pray for these hands that was just lifted, God, you see these hands, and God, I know, Lord, that you will give us strength in every circumstance and every season of our life, God. Lord, you've, you've never failed us, and I don't believe you're going to fail us anytime soon. And the work that you've begun, God, I know, Lord Jesus, that we have a promise in your word that that good work that you've begun, you're going to complete it until the day you return. So tonight, I speak encouragement. I, I pray, God, against the spirit of discouragement. I speak against the spirit of Jezebel and all of the wicked kids, God, all of the, uh, the offspring, God, whether it be fear, discouragement, all the other things, God, that we're going to be talking about. Lord, I just pray, God, that in, the, in this night, in this setting, God, we wouldn't leave here the same way we walked in, but God, we would, we're going to leave here tonight, God, God, picking our dreams back up. The dreams that we dropped, we're going to pick them back up tonight, God. And we're going to believe, Lord Jesus, God, that, that you will see those things to fruition. It's going to come to pass. We may have tried to do things on our own, God. There was a time where I tried to do things on my own in my own life, and it left me, God, in the lowest of lows. I made a mess. But God, you picked me up. You brushed me off. You placed my feet on a firm foundation. 
And I thank you for that, God. And I know, Lord, that there's someone under the sound of my voice here tonight, God. You're doing the same for them, God. Maybe maybe they've made a mess of things. Maybe maybe their marriage is in a mess. Maybe their finances is in a, is a, is in a mess. Maybe, maybe their family, their whole life, their kids is, a, is in a mess, God. But I know, Lord Jesus, God, that if we we say tonight we're making we're making a decision, we're making God a, a clear, intentional decision. God, I'm I don't, I'm not going to do it my way any, any longer. But I submit to you, God, because your ways are higher, your ways are better. And God, I know tonight, God, you're going to bring beauty from those ashes. And God, I give you praise, I give you glory, and I give you honor for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can we give them a hand clap of praise in the house? Praise God. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.